Hello, good evening and welcome to the latest edition of The Game Is About Glory, where we will take a measured view of our match on Sunday against West Bromwich Albion at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which concluded several hours ago with a 2-0 victory. I'm your host, THFC Steph, and before we get into it, we'd like to remind you to please make sure you subscribe to The Game Is About Glory via your favourite pod platforms. And if you like it, please leave a review. Five stars. Give it the full five stars because it really helps us spread the word and it will make you feel good about your life. Please tell your friends, family, neighbours, enemies and everyone about how fine and wonderful we are. And thanks very much for all your positive feedback so far. And if you haven't yet subscribed, it is never too late to do the right thing. So make sure you toddle off after this listen and do precisely that. Now, let's meet tonight's team and I'll be asking each of them that most vital of questions. Marmite. Yes or no? Awesome. Hello, mate. Uh, what exotic location are you in this week? Morning. Just Melbourne today. And I haven't had my breakfast yet, but if I was, I wouldn't rule out Marmite. Um, I am a fan. And I think my only quirk with Marmite is just that I, I do slap it on pretty thick. I'm not thin on the old... Uh, it needs to be blended with good butter as well. But yeah, definitely pro-Marmite and slapping it on thick. Excellent. Dawson Dawson telling us all that actually he's a bit of a slapper when it comes to it. Uh, Moby, who uh, I have to admit was just approaching the Corley services on the M6 before realising I'd cocked it up and that this week's West Rombrick game was actually at, uh, at the new White Hart Lane and not the Hawthorns. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Yeah, we, we need to have words about this, don't we? So, uh, yeah, when I uh, when I last spoke to you, I was just just got past Corley, getting onto the M5 uh, junction near Smedic. So I sat in the car park for an hour at the Hawthorns before realising that I was the new Peter Odden wingy. So uh, thanks very much for that. Um, a little homage there to his hour sat uh, sat in the QPR car park. So, yeah. so yes, mate, we'll be checking the fixtures uh, a lot more closely uh, this time around. Yes, we and, will. Uh, and also, I uh, I read the, uh, the the preamble notes for today, and I misread it. I thought you were going to ask me if I liked marmots or not, and I thought that was you know going with Dawson first. So I was going to say I've not seen any in Leicester. I think they must be hibernating. But uh, now I know it's marmite. I don't eat that shit. Excellent, uh, wonderful, and and finally, uh, a warm welcome for his pod debut to GPRD eighty one, who's been providing some great notes from the stands, and will now be opening his legs up and showing us his class. GP, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Steph. Good evening. For the record, Marmite, yes, for me. Um, I grew up having to love Marmite, really. My, my dad loved Marmite when we went on holiday to America, where you couldn't get it. Well, 20 years ago, you couldn't anyway. It might be different now. He'd always make sure that we took a um, pot with us so that he could um, lather it on his toast. But yeah, no, I like Marmite, on um, preferably on a nice bagel lathered with butter. That's, that's good for me. Fancy. That's indeed. And for the record, I'm just going to give you half haiku, half rhyme. Marmite is shite. That's what I Not think. Not a fan. Anyway. Not a fan, but Ricky, who is uh, actually uh, doing the managerial duties tonight because uh, Milo is uh, in another Paw Patrol marathon. And by God, he was so excited to catch the conclusion of this week's marathon. He couldn't he couldn't tear himself away. So Ricky's taken on the, 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 the notes duties. He has sent a message saying a massive Marmite fan. So it seems that actually, if we were to look at it, uh, the tipping vote is a 3-2 win uh, for Marmite. <laughs> So, and just to uh, celebrate, it, to celebrate the win for Marmite, I'd just like to chuck out one other comment, which is if you haven't tried it, give avocado a go instead of uh, butter. So you put the Marmite on first and then the avocado on top. I'm just going to leave that there. Give it a try. That sounds like some sort of like, what is it? That Shoreditch trendy shite. But uh, no, it actually sounds tasty, I will say. But it is quite Shoreditchy, I'd have to admit. Uh, <laughs> I feel anyway. bad now. I did actually have a little bit of avocado before coming on for oh my, my, for my God, evening this, uh, bite this as well. Is, yeah, this is the cheerful world we live in now. Of shortage comes to Leicester. Hipsterdom, health, and happiness with a two-nil victory over West Bromwich Albion. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go first of all to GP. Uh, I want to see him. Like, you know, he's warmed up. Let's see what the lads got. Come on, mate. Give us your thoughts. What did you think well, of today's 2-0 victory? Before the game, I was thinking, you know, what is the minimum that we wanted from this game? And I wrote down, minimum was a 2-0 comfortable victory, which is exactly what it was. And 
Well, it's throwing the caveat there that West Brom are pretty hopeless, I thought, compared to Brentford, who we've seen this year. They didn't look quite as good as them. We were surprised that Kane was in the starting lineup. I think that probably increased our confidence levels and it was it was probably not a great thing for West Brom to see that, that, that Kane was playing. But look, we we did the minimum required, which was a which was a comfortable victory. We started well, thought there was some good intent, um, good positivity right from the start of the game. I was a bit concerned that having not got the goal that we probably deserved in the first 20 minutes, that a lack of confidence might 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 come to the fore. But you know what? We kept going. We were patient. Eventually, we took the chance in the second half. And when we went 2-0 up, we, um, we, we, we saw it out pretty comfortably yeah. again. Yeah. So, look. Yeah, no, no, that's a, that's a good story. And awesome. I'm going to bring you in now. Um, I'm going to throw a little question towards you to you know assimilate into your answer I mean there was a thought that Mourinho might have rushed Kane back for this game I certainly thought so when I saw him announced uh, now that the game obviously is long over and we've won uh, do you think that's fair comment or do you think he made the right call yes but you, you'd under, we understand why he did and I think it probably might have even been the right decision I, the only issue I have is that he probably didn't need to leave him on for the whole 90 with those chances in the first half, he almost played himself back into form a bit through the game, but just it wasn't necessary to leave him on the whole the whole ninety. And again, it you know it's the old issue of like why not give Bale twenty minutes and um, yeah. But no, look, thank thank God he took the, the goal well. I thought it was an excellent assist by Hoiberg, who I was as I was watching the game, I was thinking like who 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 would you give man of the match to in this performance? And I thought the back four were organised. Those offsides that fell our way were not just through luck that was Sanchez often being in the right position whether it was through his own uh, genius or Toby's marshalling but um, the fullbacks were better than normal as Gaz says it was a pretty poor opposition I I liked the the intensity in the first 20 minutes which might have been a bump from Kane being there Lamella looking lively it did it did fade a bit that initial intensity and I was thinking, why is this happening again? Is it the no fans thing? Like when we when we do start looking so so turgid, you, you imagine if there's sixty thousand there, and we would be getting on their backs. Not not necessarily in a bad way, just how fans would be. And we we don't seem to have that connection between the bench and the the players on the pitch that can replace the the impetus by the fans. But yeah, just as it was looking like things were going down another disastrous route. Hoiberg split the defence with that pass. Kane was composed and, you know, everyone's smiling again. And thank God, because it's been a, been a hard month to be a Spurs fan and we've got, we've got some big games coming up. Yep, indeed. And Moby, I'm going to throw your, your direction just to kick off your thoughts on the game and maybe steer you in a, in a topic. Uh, let's get, get into Lamella and Lucas and what they brought to the team today. I think it's very important that we address that and, uh, you know, tell us your thoughts. I think it was a sticky plaster, unfortunately. I know we'll, I'm going to upset everyone again now, aren't I? Because we're all feeling quite good after the first win in ages. I, I think, as Gareth says, you know, 2 0 was, uh, you know, sort of minimum respectability. But this to me was just a sticky plaster and not a particularly sticky one. Make no mistake, this was not a good team that we were playing. I mean, I looked at the goal difference they're minus 36 we're plus 14 in what 22 games roughly so you know it's a 50 goal swing between between the two sides and yes we attacked but we weren't great again you know I mean this is not a West Brom team of previous years it's not you know harking back to last week the Chris Brunt goal scoring glory that we've come up against or the rigid hard defensive teams that we've struggled to break down in years you know years gone by these were dreadful you know, we really have played some crap over the last few, you know, few weeks and months. You know, Sheffield United a few weeks ago were bloody awful again. Uh, great point for Gareth Brentford in that arena are far better than a lot of the stuff that's down the bottom of this league. So yeah, we turned up. We we made some shots. We made some chances. I was really pleased with that. We needed to. So on one hand, I'm saying a sticky plaster, no more. However, if we could use that as the turning point, you know, just as a, a springboard now to go on, maybe just that injection of confidence they'll get out of it. Uh, we would have, we should have gone there really today and shoved five or six past them. That's how bad they were. But hell, we, you know, we'll take two nil. 
did Lucas and Lamella help? I think they injected some energy. They ran around a bit in classic Redknapp instruction style. Fair play to Lucas. He actually created, he got an assist, and that's something he's often criticised for not doing. So, you know, there was some end product at the end of the day to what he produced. So, yeah, I can see Ricky's made a point here on our chat, chaos energy. Yeah, and I think it was. I think it was throw kind of two blunt instruments up there. And just get them to run around a bit and see where the ball bounces, knowing that the other two attackers you've got are Kane and Son. And as long as old Biscuit Ankles doesn't get injured again, um, we did leave him on too long. But it was good to see Dane Scarlett coming on as well. Um, I think I saw it. That's his, uh, well, obviously his first game in the Premier League and our first 16-year-old as well to play. So, you know, that's a nice, nice accolade. And also, whatever happens this season, it'll allow Jose to turn around and say that he bloods the youngsters on the basis of that 45 seconds he gave him. So... So, yeah, mate, that's kind of where I'm at, really. N- nice yeah. to win. It-, it wasn't great, though. Yeah, we'll have to get into the, the Scarlet Sub in a little while. I mean, I-, I have to say, I will give Jose, I suppose, credit is due uh, to for what he did in regards to shape. I think that everyone has been advocating and Dombele playing in a deeper role. I thought what was fascinating about the game was that had a few more of ours been alive to the the smaller positions he was taking up, I think we would have had even more penetration. He was dropping off, you know, maybe five, seven yards in the centre centre circle and, and we simply weren't playing the ball into him quickly enough and allowing him to turn and, and do what he does. Uh, that was especially noticeable to me in the first 20 minutes. But nonetheless... We persisted with that, uh, with him playing that position. I thought it was very helpful indeed. Um, you know, I thought that Lamella offered uh, the sort of uh, presence and liveliness that you know shows you that once Delhi is fit, if Delhi plays that role ahead and plays in the hole, um, you know, I think that we we could really be onto something. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, uncharacteristically positive really about this, I suppose, because as much as I agree with with all of you that you know it was fun but maybe a band-aid i'd like to think that this will give both the team and jose the confidence to actually set up like this for for all the games going forward because i think it is the only way that we're going to get results this season is playing front foot football uh, which we did and again yes you you know the opposition i mean they were terrible i mean you know they looked like a bunch of those 80s ice lollies as well and uh, they weren't much more uh, productive but yeah I, my thought was it's a great platform of confidence and, and yeah, awesome. You were, you were going to add to that. I think four two three one is the, the formation that makes uh, best use of the, the, the space on the pitch for that team of ours. But, um, but yeah, today was essentially two managerial dinosaurs being pitted against each other. And, you know, the grey hair is not the only thing. It's just the styles. It's, uh, you know, it's Fat Sam, is, he, he's, he's passed it, I think. I was trying to work out what, what West Brom were doing when we were struggling away in the first half and playing a kind of 4-5-1 was just pathetic by then. What, what were they hoping for? I mean, we're, we're a team that's happy to concede possession and they're doing the, doing the same thing to us. So neither team really wants the ball. We're just trying to concede possession to each other. And it's, you know, two I wonder how long the ball, the ball could have sat in the centre circle with neither team wanting it. <laughs> totally yeah, I mean, untouched. I've, I've got, sort of snow yeah, settling to... on top. I've got to come in and, and disagree a little bit. I actually thought we showed a lot of purpose in the first 20, 25 minutes. And I have to say, I thought the players were, were you know, we talk about cowards and whatever. I thought they were very brave today because this is precisely the sort of banana skin that we've slipped up on many, many times before. I have no complaints with any of them. They all gave it a good whack. They really gave it their all. They were motivated. Um, and I think the Kane yes. thing helped with that. But yeah, Lamella above anyone in that first 20 minutes was the one for me who really put his hand up and asked yeah. for the ball tried things and yeah I I struggled with a man of the match but if you were choosing it on the first 20 minutes I think yeah Lamella yeah yeah and and GP come on him yeah yeah I, th- I think brave and, and courage are good words actually because in the, the first couple of minutes Ben Davis went on a marauding run down the left touchline which you know if you were watching it from afar you'd have thought that was Regulon Lucas had a good darting run Lamella did in the in the second half I think all my concerns going into the game was that the confidence was completely shot. Yes. And actually what you what you what you saw at the start of the game that there really was there was a good purpose about them and there was some good intentions with them and you know the and the answer to the question you know what was West Brom's intention I think West Brom's intention was to was to hope that that lack of confidence that we had would overcome us and as the game progressed as a nil-nil that they would sense their opportunity to possibly go and win it possibly to continue 
frustrating us. So West Brom, I don't, I don't know how they've been playing or what their what their what their game plan has been this season under Allardyce or under Billich, but very much they played the situation today. And for for fifty four minutes, it, it worked. They they got a little bit lucky that Kane didn't take his chances. But yeah, look, they're they're, they're a poor team, but. The first 20 minutes I thought was good from us today. Yeah, and I have to, I, you know, let's look at the fullbacks for a second uh, and say that actually I thought both were really good today. Again, you know, let, let's let's try and ignore how poor the opposition were and let's just extol the virtues of their performances. I think Serge Aurier now has had two uh, strong performances coming back. I think he's really put a shift in in each game uh, for me. And, and I have to say, I thought today he was, you know, really very strong and, and, and had a lot of purpose. And Ben Davis again, you know, trying hard in what was essentially uh, a Jose Wonky, if if we can use that phrase in a tactical way, which I believe we can. Let me throw this to you. You know, we obviously it, it behooves us to to give praise where praise is due. The players went out there today with with confidence, it felt, and with Emerson passion and fight. And as quick as I am to criticise a manager for not giving it to them. You would, would you conclude that today he got it right and he did give it to them? I mean, it's the only conclusion you can have, right? He sent them out properly prepared today. Am I right? I think yeah, so. I, I think that first five minutes is down to the manager and how he G's them up. I think, yeah, G, GP mates makes the point well. It, you've got to give you've got to give Mourinho some benefit of benefit of the the doubt when we we have been hard on him in uh, in recent weeks. Um, when you mentioned. You know, Davies, like Davies has been poor for the last month. And I think we're underestimating maybe how much of a miss Reguilón actually is, not just from his, his crossing, his dynamic play, his pace. But the kids, you can tell, is just one of those players that's just a born winner. He, he's got the drive, hasn't he? And the sooner he's back, the better for these big games. Well, and we've just had a message from Ricky as we're talking. It says calf injury, Oreo. So I don't know if that counts as uh, the game is about glory podcast curse, the first one. Uh, maybe we should not be overly praising these players if the news is going to flash up that they're then going to be out for a couple of weeks at least. I think he'd be a big miss for us. And I agree with you, Awesome, on Reggion. I think he is another big miss. Um, uh, you know, it's, there's no doubt that Jose requires dynamism. And uh, and I, I think Reguilón has been, as you say, wholly dynamic for sure. Let's talk a little about Sonny today. Uh, Sonny's had a little bit of a slow slow run recently. As we know that he has these streaks. He's a streaky player, but he also has been missing his mate. I think it's fair to say. Uh, did we see Did we see Sonny start to play himself into some into some form now that Harry's back? Um, I th- well, look, he, he scored his goal. He, he took it well. The, the notes that I made during the game was, I was just saying, Sonny's smile, there was a few close-ups on him and just the, the grimace on his face throughout. I mean, even the goal, when he scored the goal, it, the smile, it was a relieved smile. It was the sort of smile you give when you've lost your kid in the supermarket, then they turn up in the next aisle. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the smile of, of Sonny that we're, that we're used to. But look, he needed a goal. You've got to build a platform, both as a team and as an, and as individuals. What was good about the goal was was the run that he made. He made exactly the right run. For once, Lucas actually found the pass to him and he, and he took it. So let's hope now that he's, he's got something to work from. He's always been a streaky player. For it was on a plate, wasn't it? It was. And are you suggesting that Sonny lost his kid in the supermarket looking for Marmite? Is that what you're trying to say here? I'm not sure. I'm a bit lost. But anyway, sorry, it was a, an attempt at humour. Uh, anyone else on Sonny? I thought it was a great point, actually, GP. He did look very relieved. Yes. Great point about the smile. Like, Sonny's smile is, um, you know, the clearest indication of what's going on in the guy's head. And it's normally such a natural part of his demeanour. And, yeah, I, good pick up. I, I don't think the, the full beaming smile's there, but it, it's maybe I mean, linked I mean... to, to Kane's fitness. You know, Kane isn't, Kane isn't anywhere near 100% yet. And maybe Son will be beaming when Kane's 100%. I have to be honest, mate. Looking at the gloves on his hand, I wonder if it was a grimace because he was absolutely shiting it down with snow and he was just freezing cold. Is that possible? It gets cold in South Korea. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it is indeed... uh, Well, maybe he suffered the same as we all have. Mm, I was was pleased to see that hit the back of the net, though. I really thought based on Sun's last few games, I just saw the defender was coming across and so I thought Son just waited a nanosecond too long before he was in a position to hit it. And I thought that's going to get cleared you know, or, or blocked. And somehow it didn't. Not only did he sort of just get it over the defender's outstretched leg, he then hit the keeper's hand, but the keeper got enough of a sort of softy on it that it still managed to go through and go in the back of the net. So I think the look was with him 
tonight on that one. There was two good places that could have been stopped. Didn't smack the back of the net. And I'm hoping with Son being as streaky as he is now, he'll get that away. Big smile on his face. Start to go on a run again, which is just what we need. You know, him filing a few more goals in. Thank, thank God that keeper thumbed in the softy because it was yeah. a, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a hand, but it wasn't good enough. The last couple of games, remember on a couple of occasions when he was making runs that he would usually would have made and against Chelsea, there was a time when Vinicius held on for it for too long before releasing him into that channel. Uh, there was an incident in the Brighton game last week, similar one with, with, with Bergwijn. So look, he's been frustrated in the last couple of weeks. I, th- I think his whole demeanour has been indicative of the whole team over the last couple of weeks. Let's go to, uh, we touched on this briefly and let's uh, make this one of our final points uh, about today's 2-0 victory against West Brom. Uh, this centre-back pairing, this is, uh, we had uh, Toby and, and Davo today, both of which have had their critics, one of which has had significantly more than others. And it was Sanchez who was involved in, in, in the two sort of, I don't know if you want to say heart heart-stopping, nerve-wracking moments where, uh, you know, the same guy was offside twice. We, I think, are concluding that he played a, played an offside blinder there, or did he get lucky? What do we think? I think he got... I think he was well-marshaled by Toby. I, I don't trust Sanchez as a as a centre-back. I'd much rather have seen Rodon start with Toby, and that, that for me, would be our centre-back pairing for the rest of the season until Rodon's learnt learnt, you know, to cut out needless mistakes. I think Sanchez has got a good leap on him. He's probably our quickest centre-back. But, yeah, they were good today. But, again, the opposition was not really testing them. There was complete lack of pressure and not not a lot of movement. But, yeah, that, 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 those off-side calls, I think Sanchez deserves a notable mention for doing his bit. We've, we've got a real problem with our centre-halves. It's the, it's the biggest issue in the squad for me. This time last year, it was a lack of a holding midfield player and a right-back. Now... It's, it's centre-backs. We've got, what, five central defenders. They've all got their flaws. Tanganga and Roden lack the experience. Sanchez is, is too error-prone. Toby and Dyer maybe aren't mobile enough. None of them are comfortable on the, on the left-hand side. So we have to chop and change centre-halves every game. Today, I thought he got it right. We wanted to play higher up the pitch today. And therefore, to do that, playing Dyer and Alderweireld as two slower players could have caused us problems with balls over the top. So Sanchez was the right pick today because we needed that extra bit of pace to rely on, which he provides for us. So it was the right pick for today. I don't think it'll be the right pick for, for Wednesday night or at Man City next week, though. I agree. I think we need him in for his pace. And it worries me that we've got no pace anywhere else. And the fact that, you know, we commented before on the fact that Jose isn't particularly good at rotating the squad. He's allowing his first choice players to play regularly and allowing the the reserve or the rotation option to drop off in form and fitness. And I believe Sanchez is a real victim of that. So he's had a, you know, he has had some really, really bad games. But because he's not had an opportunity to get any rhythm or fluidity up, we've now got a forty-two million pound centre back. The only one with any pace out of the five, really, could argue Roden and Tangango are not slow but not experienced. So I think it was a good thing to have him in. He did give me kittens. I'm on the fence that he also. I'm on the side of the fence where I think he lost the attacker slightly on both occasions. So I think he, he relies on his pace to get him out of it, and he didn't on either of those. He got away with it on the offside. So it can only be a good thing that he's got in because we could do with a fast defender, fast, strong defender. He just needs to get some form back in his legs again. So getting a game in today is a good thing towards that. They like four, five leaf clovers, though. Four leaf clovers, fast central defenders. There's there's really not many around, are there? No, not in our squad. No, <laughs> not in Europe. Truth. It's the truth. And one thing that Sanchez, I think, as well, to add to Moby's comments about maybe a little bit of unfairness towards him, he's spent half his career at Spurs playing in positions that are not his natural positions. And we go back to that point that GP just made about a left-sided centre-back not being in our squad. And it rather than the senior centre-back taking that responsibility and saying, I'll play there, whenever Toby's involved, he doesn't usually want to do it. So, you know, I, I thought that, you know, today was notable. Actually, maybe he feels like he's cheating on Jan if he plays left-sided. Yeah, but today was notable, I think, for several for several reasons, and you know, we'll see where it goes from now. But I would, I must say, look, if none of you have seen the match day program cover for today's game against West Brom, I encourage you all to look at it. Now, Do they still make programs? Well, you get a digital version through the website. Ah, okay. I mean, you know, you you can Google the cover, you'll find the cover. I mean, even you know. Danny Rose could Google the cover and find it, you know. He's, and I've got to tell you, when you see this picture of Joe Roden on the front, it's it's bordering on hilarious. He looks, it's like 
you know those you know when you've got so many tattoos it looks like you're wearing art those arm sleeves that those skateboard companies make in clothes. it's unbelievable i mean he looks like something from the film 300 i imagine him next to gerard butler like you know and i mean in fairness if he played like gerard butler acts in 300 i wouldn't be against him starting against man city but well that would be a foul surely <laughs> well Yes, it would be foul in general if he behaved Brutally like hacking Spartans to pieces. I think VAR would pick that up. Yes, yes, yes. I agree with that. So we'll, we'll just wind up, I think, there by saying that we're all in agreement. Really nice to be back on the page today. Really nice to be winning. Uh, really nice that Jose made some positive changes. Really nice he put us on the front foot. Really nice to see our XG stats today. I'm getting fancy. 1.93 to West Brom's measly 0.7 yeah we had apparently 13 shots today six on target to west brom's four and one and i gotta just conclude by saying you've all been very polite i thought marine gave us a better game than west brom for vast tracts of, of of the fa cup tie and i i think that if there's any satisfaction from west brom's poverty today and i i, I have a little bit of a soft spot for them due to a friend but it is the fact that the fat sam rescue package contract is now surely going to die it's going to die no amount of of of, you know quaffed bovril pies and cheap watches uh can can you know pull a trick for anyone else it's doesn't he have some crazy record about relegation what's that what's that stat that, well, he um, to keep everyone up somehow, doesn't he? But will this be the first happen. time he's ever gone down? I think no, it is. Surely I, not. I think it. Well, yeah. Well, well he's great. got Any this man... horrible image of Big Sam going down now, and I just can't shake it out. Of my he's head. got no time for that. Why he's have not, you done he's that? Not that kind of guy. Oh, good lord! And with that, let's, let's, oh dear! I, Bleach I, I, my I, eyeballs. <laughs> bleach bleach everything goodness gracious! That was a dis- <laughs> let's you know. Let's accelerate out of that. Oh, it is an enduring oh. image. Oh, no. Oh, I feel I've been soiled for the rest of the day. Uh, Imagine we... him covered in gravy. <laughs> with, nothing... <laughs> with nothing but his cheap watch hanging off his wrist. He's like some He's like some 70s... Like, uh, he would have been great in On the Buses, the northern version or something. You know what I mean? Northern uh, version of Minder. <laughs> Minder. Uh, let's, there's there's let's one get... for the kids. <laughs> Let's let's drag this back away from that horrible. And for anyone who had to suffer that with us, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, we managed this week to make up points on Manchester United, Leicester, West Ham, and Everton, two points each, and uh, made up three points on Arsenal and Liverpool. Uh, so you know, let's close this segment off by saying the revival is on. It brings us on to a question that was inspired by a recent thread on the Glory Glory Forum. Uh, and it was started by a contributor called Dave T. He asked a very simple question. What do you feel are the club's values? It's, a really, it's actually a deeper question than it seems. I think I'm going th- to... I think, you know, GP, again, now that you've got some minutes in those legs and we can see your speed and style, tell us what that phrase, you know, what it means to you. What, what are the club's values to you? Well, the, the, the one they espouse is the game's about glory, and it's it's Danny Blanchflower's quote, isn't it? But I think I think the, the the values and what you you associate the club with depends on the era that you you started supporting them. So I started supporting Spurs in in 1988. My first joy of any success was the was the cup final in 1991. It's it's that sort of romantic notion of when I gave this some thought, just the the name Tottenham Hotspur. It's it's a very beautiful sounding name, isn't it? Really, it's it's quite literally Shakespeare. And yeah, there's something about that past glory, which I know we're probably all slightly guilty of, of, of harping back to, but it is that doing something with style, but it's also probably being crap when you go up the M6 on a Tuesday night as well that comes with that. And you know, some of the teams that, you know, that I remember and the players that I, I had, it was, it, it was about that flamboyance um, and it was about that, that beauty that you would guarantee you would get from, from at least one player. At a time, it's just that hope that that something is around the corner and that something's on the horizon to get you excited about. So for me, that that was that was the, the Pochettino era was all about having that vision or that that excitement that, that something was building that we were we were going towards something that reflected back on our our past and what we'd done previously. You, or the, the good things we'd done anyway. Yeah, you mentioned the M6, and so there's only one person to go to next, and that was the poor lad who was stuck at the Corley services, as we discussed earlier. 
wondering whether the game was at the Hawthorns or uh, New Tottenham Hospital Stadium. So, Moby, uh, your thoughts on what the club values are? I was going to say, I am back at Corley now, but I'm getting snowed in. So, th- thanks again for that, Steph. Um, for me, the, the, the club sums up, again, as Gareth says, when, you, when I got into it, and I got into it in the very early 80s, and back then it was it was the white shirts, you know, the European kit back then, the all-white kit under the floodlights. It was all about flair, players, dribblers, players that could take people on and beat them. Amazing goals, long shots, curlers, free kicks, hoddle, waddle, Archibald, crooks, you know, all those players we had back then. And for me, the way that we played, the sort of style and the panache and the flair that we always went out with, even though we weren't great at the back, typically, we would always attack. And as a result of that, certainly in the 80s, the trophies came with it. They were a natural byproduct of having bloody great players and playing really attacking football. The two things were hand in glove. I also love the fact that you looked at the fact we used to go out and we did spend big money. You know, we used to break the British transfer record regularly from the 60s right through to the 80s. That was us doing it. Gascoigne, we did it multiple times before. You know, big money would always be in the top couple of spenders. And then we'd balance that out by bringing a hell of a lot of good players through through the youth system. I look back in the 80s, what, you know, the players that came through our youth was phenomenal back then. Really, really good. So for me, that's that's what's in the DNA for me being a Tottenham fan. And that was hard baked in through the 80s. And as I mentioned the other week, early 90s, before it all started to go horrifically wrong. And I think the DNA of the club did start to change then. We, we we started buying cheaper players, doing things on the cheap. We didn't have the money. The football started to suffer. We started trying to bring in managers that, that didn't fit our ethos, where we're seeing that potentially now. Still trying to find our way through. So the Poch era for me was brilliant fun. I don't know if it was authentic Tottenham, though, in terms of what I'm used to. We were actually a bit too good. We were a bit too stable and predictable in the fact that we would win and we were tight at the back and had a good defence. So, yeah, for me, it's the it's the hoddles, the idealists, the Gascoins and Villa waddles that that's what i've been brought up on and that's why that's what that's why i love this club awesome take it away what are the club values you know echoing both the other guys points we're uh you know we're a club that's been blessed with i think it's location being london it's enabled us to attract top players over the years and you know since oh, i'm similar age i guess to, to moby and that I, I really became a fan in the mid 80s but you know even nowadays you talk about we used to you know, have homegrown players, it, you know, it, it's never been more prevalent than with Kane now. This is a huge topic for me, and it's actually really hard to su- summarise anything in about in five minutes. But what I will say is that what whatever the, the DNA of our club has historically been, it is now the fact that we've got this incredible new stadium, which should be you know, serving up champagne-style football, and we're obviously being uh, being exposed to some badly made bitter. But it's um, it, that will change. I've always got faith that you know, with people like Kane, Son, all these other good players, providing we can keep them, more glory days are around the corner. But yeah, historically, it's been it's been a hard existence being a Tottenham fan. I don't I don't I don't subscribe to the the, the trophy trolls. I've I've never enjoyed my my Tottenham watching more than the sort of 2015 to 2020 uh, half decade, where you know we were always competing with the good teams. Like we were never we were never really afraid of having to play a top six rival, and and that that made me that made me proud. That made me proud to be a Tottenham fan again. And like I say, I don't care whether or not we win a league cup. I would like to win the Europa. Obviously, I'd like to have won the Champions League. But watching Tottenham do well every week is really what I'm looking for not doing well as in always winning but just always putting out good performances and I think the the history of our club has always um, been a bit hit and miss with that I've got to pick you up on something there Dawson did you actually call Mr Levy's delicious home-brewed beaver town neck oil bargain bin bitter I haven't tried it yet, to be honest. I haven't had the opportunity to come to the new stadium. It's good, actually. I quite like it. Can we have a quick? Can we have a quick vote? Round of hands. Where do we stand on the uh, Beaver Town Nickel? Ricky's waving. Yes, yeah, Steph's in. That's yeah, Milo as well, who's just joined us. Gareth, yeah. no, <laughs> no comment. He's not sure. He prefers Buy me the a pint one day. Buy me a pint one day when I make it there. 
yeah, when we get out of lockdown, mate, you're good for it. So I've got to come in on the values thing for a minute because this is a very the subject's pretty dear to my heart. It's uh, it's it's a very very big deal. I I for me when I first started watching this club, I mean the first first time I saw this club was in in the mid seventies and Alfie Con. Um, so that was a pretty big start. But the you know my connecting era was nineteen eighty. That was when I really connected. And you know one of the things that was really huge about us then was there was an air of glamour and there was an air of to dare is to do they really it was prevalent but also we were we were decent we were we were a decent team but we behaved in a decent fashion off the pitch as well I mean in the early 80s Spurs was very synonymous with, with, with anti-Nazi movements which to me was huge you know it was really important to me to see that we had uh, some black players in our side I, to, I you know I, I don't care if that sounds facile or not it was a big deal you know we had Ozzy and Ricky come over when you know I think only Sheffield United had dared to, to tread that path you know we were breaking you know we broke ground in, in, in a cultural way that I thought was just so emblematic of, of what the club meant to me and you know in order to really to truly understand Tottenham Hotspur Football Club I think you have to be of the bent that says you know winning a trophy is not necessarily the be all and end all of achievement you know achievement is about doing things with style and it is doing about doing things the right way on and off the pitch it's why the Alan Sugar era upset me so much obviously he rescued us from so much and I understand that financially but by god he was nearly impossible let me let me let me bring it back to something that's a little more level footing here. Um, do you think it's important that we are um, a front foot versus reactive club? Do you think another side of our values are that we promote youth versus always buying from outside? Are these important ingredients to this uh, to this story to this to this value statement that we that we carry? Um, I, we've we've always had a history of bringing through very good creative players. So I mean, Hoddle was the was the benchmark, and we went through the eighties and the nineties bringing up players. who Obviously, they never well. Who could live up to Glenn Hoddle? But bringing through players like Vinnie Sandways was was of that mould, if you like. Then we had other players where it didn't really work, like Danny Hill or Darren Kasky, if you remember them from the from the nineties. And that was the sort of midfielder that we we looked. We you, you get your one in your generation. So you got we got Ledley King. We've now got Harry Kane. I don't see that that progression from the youth academy is is quite our thing. Um, I would say that probably West Ham and, and Manchester United that's their thing. It's that promotion of players through the academy. But it's not something we should scoff at, and we should be very proud of some of the players that we have produced our produced ourselves for, for me I mean, perhaps it's a slight tangent on that one and it might just be the era that I, I grew up in but for me as a, as a nine-year-old during 1990 the adulation that was given to Tottenham Hotspur because Gascoigne and Lineker played for England and they starred in that 1990 World Cup tournament for me and I, I believe we still have the record we've produced more players for the England senior team than any other club so I think because of my experience as a nine-year-old and what I grew up with Having Spurs players in the England side is something that I always feel very proud of. I'll yeah, get I off mean, my, uh, my my Brexit. No, no, we now, had, but... no, but it's not even a Brexit thing. We had nine players in the last World Cup semi-final. And unfortunately, uh, 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 we paid for that. Tottenham Hearts Football Club paid for that on the pitch the following season. But we had nine players in the World Cup semi-finals. I mean, we all sat there and felt some pride. Did we not? Mm. Yeah, right. It's it's a big it's a massive thing. I agree. It's a great point, GP. Let me ask uh, someone to come in on this. You know, when it comes to representing these values and and the identity that I think we're all uh, in agreement with, who has the biggest responsibility? In in uh, I mean, obviously it's a little bit fifty fifty, but let's try and be a little more. Uh, direct who has the biggest responsibility in upholding those elements those values uh, would it be the chairman or is it the manager chairman for me most managers are only stuck sticking around for two or three years in the modern game is very difficult for a manager to have the sort of impact that Poch had where he did change the culture of the club I don't even know if Mourinho's trying I think yeah he's bringing in the odd player like Hoiberg and trying to make us a bit harder soft not less soft centered but for me and he's doing a very good job of doing it it's it's levy We're also not forgetting that these are incredibly difficult times that we're going through in terms of the financial restrictions that the stadium's brought on us, the whole COVID thing. Levy's doing a good job still, I think. I don't blame him for appointing Mourinho and I won't won't have any issue with who he appoints next. The culture 
comes from the chairman, in my mind. Yeah, I think ultimately the chairman decides what style of play he wants based on what manager he wants. So he goes out, gets that person, and he should know what style of play he's going to get. So he obviously made a decision with Mourinho. He was going to get more pragmatic football, I'm going to call it kindly, but hopefully deliver the end of the journey which is the stadium and Wembley and everything that we've been through and to actually get a pot to show at the end of it with Pochettino he knew what he was going to get he went out and he actually saw somebody that was going to bring the youth through save him a few bob but play fast attacking football on the front foot pressing 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 with a very fit team so I do think it's the chairman but on a weekly basis it's the manager that makes the decision how we go out and play because he can flick it around when any time he wants yeah it's um the the, the question of the chairman's role in it, I think, is a really important one. And I think we can all reflect back when Irving Scholar was the chairman during the 80s. And we know that genuinely he was he was a Spurs fan and he travelled to away games. Um, and I, I think he really understood the vision of the club. So some of the things that we tried in the 80s, on and off the pitch, they were very, very innovative. They were very bold. But there was almost a something, well, in retrospect, there was something of an innocent incompetence away about the way that the club was run then. I, I think Alan, Alan Sugar probably did everything that he needed to do financially for the club, but it left us on the pitch in, in quite a sorry state. And I think that really impacted on the DNA of the whole club and that Daniel Levy is, is, is a clever man. He certainly says all the right things, but I mean, and he's, but he has appointed every different type of manager that you could have done. So I think ultimately he is a pragmatist as well, but the Pochettino fit was, you know, was just right. Everything felt right about the club. Then we could have been watching Spurs in the eighties then, which I think is when we most truly fell into those values that we've probably all been describing at the moment. That's, that's the closest that we've got to, to that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting with Levy because, you know, Levy did something in the early 2000s that, in retrospect, it pains me to say it was probably not the right decision at the moment that he made it. But at the time, I punched the air with delight and jumped up and down and said, we've got our Tottenham back. And I'm sure you all know that I'm referring to the moment that he sacked man in a raincoat uh, going into semi-final and, and, and had Glenn Hoddle walk out. You know, I agree, as Milo's actually just joined us from his Paw Patrol marathon. He looks absolutely fatigued, uh, but he has managed to say there's never a wrong time to sack man in a raincoat which is true but you know in the wider sense you would say that he might have got us a win in that semi-final because of the history so on but you know Levy made a call there to bring back our man and to bring him in and it felt like there was light coming in from the darkness so I mean it's a fascinating question because it may not have been the right move but it was in terms of our values the perfect move uh, and of course we cocked up that semi-final royally and you know Glenn ended up not quite being I don't he had a lot of bad luck but he wasn't quite the manager that we hoped he would be I still maintain he had a lot of bad luck uh, I will add I, th- I think maybe with Jose it's a very unfortunate situation for him because I think there's no other club like Tottenham Hotspur in English football you can talk about your Manchester United's and whatever you know but there is only one Tottenham Hotspur and we have we have very specific and exacting demands I mean we're a demanding club and merge those with the modern society's expectation of winning a trophy every five minutes and sort of the instant grat culture that exists everywhere I think that Jose's actually got an extremely tough job and I'm quite sympathetic to him on that level um so you know, and again, I want to let listeners know that we are going to be getting into Jose Mourinho in some detail in the next international break. We're going to be doing a, a special pod about it, and I can promise you it will be a very balanced and very, very rational look at the man's time with the club so far. So I just wanted to throw that in, you know. Just to follow up, Steph, on something you just said, we can't forget that this isn't a level playing field either in terms of the financial rules that people are playing by. I mean, Man City have absolutely taken the piss for a decade now. Since that window when they bought Aguero and God knows who else, Rubinho, you know, Liverpool have been throwing around massive money. United have been operating in the red for a long time. We're we're trying to do it the right way. And Levy realised that a key component to that was the new stadium. We went through the Wembley doldrums and the the zero net spend transfer windows which we've just you know we've just chalked another one of those up it's not a level playing field and we're in a very competitive race in probably one of the most competitive leagues of any sport 
in uh, in the world. So that that just has to be remembered, I think. I agree. And so I suppose in conclusion, because I think this is a question that's going to come up again in some way, shape or form uh, many times over. I think we'd have to just conclude, uh, you know, we do have a very clear uh, identity and it is uh, the Blanche Flower quote really is the embodiment, I think, of our club values. And uh, I, I, I don't think there's anyone involved right now who is purposely trying to sabotage that I mean I, I will say that and I think it's worth acknowledging and, and it was a good point and so it was a, a great topic from the boards there thanks Dave Dave T and I hope that we've gone some way to you know answering the question that you put out there so the next game uh, we have coming up is Everton uh, in the FA Cup I have the letter A next to Everton which tells me it's a Goodison Park I'm gonna go out on a limb here <laughs> and say it is at Goodison Park uh, midweek cup tie, fifth round. Harry's back. I think Everton looked quite tasty uh, when they when uh, overall. I think Calvert Lewin is uh, uh, developed into a proper striker, and Ancelotti is you know he's no slouch. So boys, what do we think is going to happen here? We're very close in the league. I mean, if they say the league doesn't lie, then we're basically we're the same. We're inconsistent but good at the core. It's going to be a very tight cup tie, probably probably quite a good one to watch compared to some of the stuff we've seen in the league because they don't do they go extra time and penalties they have to be settled in this leg don't they at the moment so yeah you'd hope that Jose will throw the kitchen sink at it in the second half if he needs to yeah I'm, I'm expecting a tight a tight 2-1 I'm not sure who to awesome I've got to ask mate what does Jose throwing the kitchen sink actually look like you will see my friend two, you two will forwards see rather than one I mean what does he do let's them knows. pass the halfway line sorry I'm, I'm being a bit clear here. I don't mean to be negative but it, it's, it's just not a happy bedfellow uh, Jose and throwing the kitchen sink at it so uh, I was struggling to picture that. It goes back to for me to what I was saying earlier about the fact that is this going to be this sticky plaster going to be a springboard? Is that extra confidence injection that comes from beating a load of rubbish wearing a Sunday league football shirt going to be enough to get them up against playing well up against a team like Everton who are a decent side? I actually I, I've only just checked. I saw they were two 0 I think down the other day to Man United. I didn't quite check what time or what minute that was and I went off to do something else and I've just looked back again to see they got a 3-3 out of it so this is a good team we're going up against I'd love to think Spurs could, a 95th minute, minute equaliser mm. yeah so I mean they are they are going for it aren't they so I'd love to think we could do a classic Spurs Cup here and just leave a bit of the league form behind take the shackles off and go for it uh, I remain to, remains to be seen though doesn't it so I'm going to get in my car now and start driving up to uh, up to Goodison for you Steph just to uh, just to make sure I'm there in good time Time. Great. Leave your headset on, and we can, can we'll complete the pod as you're driving. Yeah, it's wireless. Okay. Excellent. Wonderful. Uh, GP. While uh, while Moby's getting his uh, Fiat Uno charged up to to, to get up the the motorway there. What are your yeah, thoughts? Well, this, this is why you have Jose Mourinho as your manager. It's that track record of of getting through those cup ties and those one off matches. And this is the trade off you get for all the poor league performances and the. Uh, and the lacklustre and sometimes insipid performances. If we go there and stink the place out and win 1-0 with a, with, with a late goal, or even we go through on penalties and we're in the quarterfinals, you, you, you don't give it another thought. It's a cup tight. The only important thing is, is getting the win and getting your name into the quarterfinal draw. And that's why you've got, that's why we've got Jose Mourinho as our managers to get us into those situations. There's, as you said, there's nothing between the two teams. There's, well, there's, there's one point between the two teams. There is a difference. They beat us on the first day of the season. We were, we were awful that day. We've got better since then. They're just like us. They've meandered through the season. They've had weeks where they've looked brilliant. They've had weeks where they looked terrible. I thought they looked pretty good at United on Saturday evening and did really well to stay in the game and get a point back. But, but the week before, they lost 2-0 at home to Newcastle. So um, you, you don't know what you're going to get with them. You don't quite know what you're going to get with us. But if Kane and Son play... I would, and stay fit and can stay on the pitch, I would expect us to have enough to win. Whether we do or not is another matter. Well, this is going to fold into the next game that was... I'll, I'll, I'll initiate the fact we're going to also going to quickly talk about the small matter of Manchester City on Saturday the 13th of February at the Etihad. And that's a 5.30pm that's a GMT kickoff. You know, do you, do you play Kane and Son in the Cup knowing that you've got Manchester City coming up? That'll be three games on the chart. Uh, do you do that? Do you split the difference there? Uh, play one and one? Uh, what do you do? What does anyone I, think? I'm, my, my, my feeling is it's a real gamble to play them for three games in a row as a pair. Everton are a little bit of a dirty team as well. And 
if you're playing against Kane, your first instruction is going to be to put something in on him early on. On his um, ankles. I mean, they've done it. Pretty Liverpool much. did it. Yeah. Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool, why not? Liverpool went for his ankles. I mean, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that they were Dean, yeah. offensively Dean is dirty. A dirty fucker. That's is it. What's that, Davies? Tom Davies, the page boy, because of his silly haircut. Ketwig, I've heard him called. Um, <laughs> Ketwig is the angry edge. <laughs> but um, no, they're a dangerous team physically. I think it's you know it's one of those situations where it's an advantage to us not having any fans in the ground. I mean, that's a proper old stadium. They do have good support. It's neutralised uh, with no one being in there. But yeah, two evenly matched teams. I, I completely agree. I think if we play Kane for 90 minutes today, which I don't know why Jose did... And you also play him for the bulk of the Everton game. How the hell can you expect him to last 90 minutes against Man City? I mean, I don't think we've got a snowball's chance in hell against Man City, as he had anyway. Maybe you prioritise the Everton game. Mm. Jose's on a, on a tightrope at the moment. I, I think he needs some results and he needs them quick. I think he's got a gamble up at Everton. I think if, we, if he leaves Kane out at Everton or he leaves Sun out and we get beaten there, chances are we'll get beaten at Man City next, next Saturday. And then he's in big trouble again. Um, we've got to win at Everton. And I think he puts the team out that's got the best chance of winning. If we win there, um, you take Man City as a free hit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I could easily see him actually just mentally letting the Man City game go. I was saying last week that I think he's half given the league up. He actually reminded myself that he came out with a quote after the game when asked about how we're going to do this season. He focused on the Cubs big time. And with regards to the league, he said, we'll finish where we deserve to finish with a shrug, uh, effectively. And uh, obviously I thought, well, I hope not because I don't fancy championship football next season. But um, yeah, so that, that just says to me, he's... He's just going to play that one by ear and focus on the cup. So I think that's your answer. He'll put he'll put Kane and Son through Everton, see if we can get away with it, get through that game. Might be Vinicius <laughs> and Lucas again against Man City, which will be a six 0 spanking at least. Yeah, yeah. The games are coming thick and fast, as uh, as as Ricky just said. Uh, the Thursday after the Man City game, we're back in the Europa League, but we'll approach that one. We'll touch that one in the next pod. GP, I know you you had a you had something to say there, so why don't you have the uh, the final word on this? Uh, on this preview yeah that's what you Ricky said in there about the Europa League games coming up we're quite lucky because we've dropped points in the league so that Man City becomes something of a free hit and Moby's just alluded to um, to the comments Jose's made about that one we, we play against that uh, they are prime Europa League opponents in in Wolfsburger we've got two bites at the cherry there um, we could go and lose the first game and still feel reasonably confident we'll turn it around in the yeah. second one so Everton is the biggest game in the in the next couple of weeks we need to make sure we get something from there and then attentions will turn to probably the West Ham game is, is a significant one after that and we're racing way ahead of ourselves here I have to say I mean let's just hope that these two bites of the cherries we're going to get are going to be Maracino cherries and not the ones with those huge stones in the middle that you break your teeth on and talking about stones I had this wonderful line where I said is Pep to pulverise us or Jose to show his stones and uh, it seems that we're all voting for the, uh, the Pep pulverisation uh, I'm not. I'm not so convinced. It would be so Jose Mourinho to grind out a result at, at the Etihad. I mean, you know, he loves he loves to go there and put it put it up his biggest rivals. And it's not our biggest rivals. Remember, that's one of his biggest rivals. And we, we must remember that the man does enjoy a one-on-one competition. Again, manager to manager, Moby. Steph, yeah, just quick one. I wanted to throw in because I thought this might come up in a conversation, but it didn't. And I don't want us getting any grief afterwards for missing this uh, this stat off today. We've talked about Harry Kane quite a bit, but two big achievements today. So seven seasons on the trot, scoring 20 goals each year, which is uh, some consistency for a full one-season wonder. Uh, and, of course, the other big landmark that he hit today is he's gone level on 208 goals with Bobby Smith. So he's now our joint second top scorer ever. He's chasing down Jimmy Greaves, as we all know, on 266. So 58 goals to go. I just thought that needed mentioning before we before we wrap the pod up. It's a fantastic thing to close on. And uh, I have to say, I think Pep once said something about Kane's importance to us and we all grimaced and, uh, and, and sort of rolled our eyes. But well, I the guess Harry the Kane numbers... Team. The numbers don't lie. I it's been an excellent pod uh, this weekend, guys. We've really uh, we've really nailed it with this one, and I, I think you know it's been great to have a cheerful one as opposed to the last two weeks. So thanks very much, Moby GPR. Awesome, thanks, guys. Cheers, there. Cheers, there. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. We'll be back in a week to discuss both of those games, Everton in the Cup and Man City in the Prem. And remember, please, please, please subscribe to the Game Is About Glory and tell everyone you know about us. Also, while you're at it, let us know what you think of the podcast on Twitter 
at Glory Glory Forum. And we can be found on Instagram as The Game Is About Glory. One word, one beautiful phrase, no underscores. Help us grow this together, folks. As always, it's for you as much as it is for us. Thanks for joining us and see you next week.